This episode of Last King Podcast, we'll be talking about Parasite and Korean cinema. Welcome to another episode of The Last King Podcast. Today we'll be talking about, of course, one of the biggest films to have come out last year, which everybody seems to be talking about this year. I'm, of course, your host, Kanina Seyo Shasik. Annyeonghaseyo, Dustin. And Ruben here, I don't know any Korean. <laughs> you don't know any Korean? Oh well. How about we give you a nickname? We'll call you Kimchi Ru. <laughs> I like Kimchi, so I'll, I'll take that. You'll take that? Okay. Wow, this movie has been making a lot of waves. And uh, it's strange for a film that's been out for a couple of months. Guys, The Sweep, the Oscars 2020. Parasite not only won Best Picture, Best Foreign Film, Best Director, Best Screenplay. Practically, this has never been ever done before because it's like for a foreign film to have gone like this far. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I think that the winner of uh, the Best Film and so many awards, it should be a film that understands about the issues of uh, poverty and, you know, the, uh, the, the, the contrast between rich and poor and... You know, there was this guy who made a video about that. Okay, I, we I all saw that video, him. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, so are you are you on the bandwagon of Joker should have won, sir? Nah, not not Joker for me. No. But you know, I I felt uh, Once Upon a Time should have got it. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. Tarantino's ninth film. What about you, Dustin? I don't think Parasite necessarily is the best film, though. I understand why it won. Which is why I want to really dig into this because I think a lot of rhetoric online is basically there's a lot of politics involved and it's a lot of maybe uh, the Academy feeling a little bit out of touch and giving a film such as Parasite the Consolation Best Picture Award, so to speak, because uh, for it to win Best Foreign, I would think is extremely deserved. But I'm also on the same boat with Ruben where I feel like for Best Film, I would have given it to Irishman or I would have given it to Tarantino's uh, Once Upon a Time. But I don't know. I mean, does Parasite have enough to deserve the win? And we're going to do no spoilers at the time because we're going to go into a full-on review later at the halfway mark. So uh, if you're just keying in or if you're still on the fence about going to watch Parasite, okay, we urge you to watch it. But if you want to know a little bit more, we promise no spoilers until when we say so. So maybe we'll start with you, Ruben. What do you think? Uh, do you think something like Parasite is best picture material? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, it's just a good film. You know, the storytelling, it's something that I think everyone honestly around the world can identify with. And we're seeing a lot of these uh, separations between uh, different income levels, wealth levels, and, you know, all the little bits that you see in the film, the, the actors, they're convincing in their roles. And obviously, you have a very talented director who, who's telling this t story. So it's definitely up there. I mean, hell, I watched it two, three times already, so I really enjoyed it too. But uh, whether it is the best film... In comparison to the other films in the category... Versus the other guys in the year, that's yeah. something that I think is worth a debate. Yeah, so like, maybe for you, what did Parasite lack overall that maybe something like Once Upon a Time shined through with? Okay, so for me, I felt that it wasn't as cohesive a story. You think? I felt the the build-up, the, the, the delivery of that. Because I'm, I'm a sucker for very neat stories. Yeah, so we heard the 1917 episode. Uh, please check that out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, I, I just love, you know, something that you can digest. You, I mean, end of the day for me, film is entertainment, you know. It can have a message. It can have, you know, some inspiring thing that drives you to be better. But at its heart, I think a film should entertain. Hmm. So you, do you f are you saying that you weren't openly entertained or you were not entertained enough? I just felt that the structure for me was something where 
I couldn't get with it to the end. I, I could get with it at the start. I was really you're like, rooting for everything. Oh, absolutely! Like if, if let's say you know you talk about you know being multi-sensory engagement and everything, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm totally in. I felt like I was in the Matrix. I was in that world. I was with them every step of the way. All right. And then you know something happens. So then I start to get shaken out. And so it broke immersion for you at one it, point. It broke. It broke. And then I just it was so difficult to keep up because what happened after that was just something that's completely alien to a shared experience you know it's something i can't identify with anymore okay now how about you dustin what are your thoughts uh did parasite deserve the win and if it didn't who would you put instead i think parasite deserved to win overall in terms of the quality of the other candidates it was up against but whether it's personally my best film of the year i don't think so but it is not a travesty that it won I think that yeah, I totally agree. I think that this is one of the few years that every single nominee more or less deserved to be there, and that's rare. So yeah, everyone on the podium deserved it. Correct. It's not. It's not like a green book scenario where everyone goes, <laughs> "What the hell?" I'm gonna right? bring that up again. We're not saying that Parasite didn't deserve to win, mm. but I think that we have personal preferences that are different. So maybe like the same question I asked Ruben, like for yourself, Dustin, uh, what do you think that Parasite lacked or maybe what did another movie do better that you feel like maybe it didn't deserve your personal Best Picture award? It has a lot of characters and with an ensemble cast with that many characters with two sets of families and you've got to kind of draw these characters out, I don't think it had necessarily the duration for you to get anything deeper than a two-dimensional character and I think that maybe only one character is really fleshed out very well mm-hmm. and the rest are interesting enough that they're, they're not NPCs but yeah. to a certain extent you're like I wish I could get more because I need to understand more of the motivation of these characters. So you're saying like maybe the supporting cast were more than just scaffolding they at least contributed to the dynamics and also to the movement of the plot. So I think it's more of the writing that doesn't have enough duration and maybe that's the thing the story is economical so it can't fit more character development in because these characters aren't going to be driving the story as much as something like Irishman where the character is the story and it's a very very deep you need need all the nuance for it to work I think for Parasite it's written in a different way but for me if I don't have a deep enough character study to care about the characters then whatever happens to them doesn't resonate as much emotionally. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there too because like for the fact that it also won Best Screenplay, I thought Tarantino was robbed because the world he designed and he built in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and though many people will point to the fact that this is basically what he does in Inglourious Basterds where he retells history and he doesn't use like original characters like he would do back in the day, I still felt like with what he did with uh, Once Upon a Time, creating the setting but also the set pieces because there were so many moments in Once Upon a Time that is like latched onto my memory forever I mean let's all just give a shout out uh, to Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, amazing flamethrower performance because it's like you know I will always remember that or you know just even the fact that like or even uh, the, the performance in the saloon, right? With the with the girl holding ho- being held hostage. Oh, like that mini Meryl Streep, like <laughs> that method actor telling like Leonardo DiCaprio. No, for me, what did it was the, the, the lady just chewing Brad Pitt out for throwing her... Oh, Zoe stuff. Bell? Yeah, Zoe Bell. <laughs> throwing throwing Bruce Lee yeah. against the car. No, I can totally feel her rage. I get it. I get it. This is your superstar getting body slammed into a goddamn car. Not just a superstar. Bruce fucking Bruce, Lee. Yeah. yeah, not just any superstar, you yeah. know? 
And I mean, I heard that there was some, you know, like the, the family of Bruce Lee was saying like, oh, it was very disrespectful how they treated him. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got involved as well. Yeah. yeah really? But, it, you know, it's a fucking fantasy. Yeah, but you know what? I don't feel any less for Bruce Lee. I felt for the characters there and I felt like, you know what? Him getting body slammed. Goddamn. Yeah, you know? I mean, like, I've seen him in interviews. You do want to check him once in a while. <laughs> You're not that indestructible. I mean, you would have been alive. I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. So anyway, now, like for me, also, also when it comes to Tarantino, like if you're talking about our favorite scenes from movies, right? Dude, that moment when Brad Pitt smashes that Manson girl's yeah. head against the kitchen counter. Like for Parasite to win best screenplay, there, as, there's nothing in the script that to me felt like, oh, he wrote that shit. Mm. Like when you see a Tarantino film, like, yeah, that's exactly what he wrote down. Yes. He wanted to have this character mash turn this poor girl's head into like pizza toppings on top of like no not just the kitchen counter but that wall and that sofa and that section over there just that moment where he's like you know when he sticks the dog on the guy's balls you know and to me I felt like Tarantino I wouldn't say he was robbed like for Parasite to win best screenplay caveat here for me when I watched the film I watched it twice and there are moments in the translation which doesn't quite match because I do recognize a little bit of Korean. Right. So sometimes to me, it felt like, is this maybe localizing at work? Maybe bad translation going maybe on. Maybe bad there. translation. So it's like, for this to win best screenplay, I cannot give my full opinion because I do not really totally uh, comprehend the language or maybe the nuance in certain metaphors or idioms maybe. I think it was deliberate as well because they, there were specific parts of it where you know, they're talking about a Korean university but they knew that the English audience wouldn't understand that this is a prestigious university. So they're like, oh, did she go to like the Harvard of, or, or the Yale of, mm. you know, of yeah, Fortune right? But then, then, it, then it's, does that deserve best screenplay? Because if you can't efficiently look, deliver... Look, let's not kid ourselves, right? And I think you guys will agree with me on this one. Tarantino and his non-linear storytelling, I mean, for all, all, all this time, right? Yeah. Do you realize this guy is surgical? Nothing is by accident. Do you realize there are no accidents in his film? Well, there are some. <laughs> well, to me, to me, everything that was there is strategic. It's going to get a payoff somewhere. Yeah. It's it's not something that we just leave it there and then later on, European ending, guess what? Haha, <laughs> subverted you. Not going to use it, you know? I guess. Uh, I mean, but I also agree with you there where there... I mean, I won't call it surgical because Tarantino has a habit of getting, getting a bit long in the tooth with scenes. Yeah, and then there are moments, especially in his more recent work, where he decides to be less economical with the duration because I think he is no more, I would say, uh, you know, like beholden to cinema runtimes like he used to be. Yeah, yeah, because he's like now he's like churning out like three hour, two and a half hour movies. It's like, and then again, I can point to Hateful Eight, right? That was indulgent as fuck. Oh no, no, yeah, Hateful Eight. But I would say it's one of his right. best screenplays, you know, in terms of creating characters, universes, and motivations. So, I don't know, uh, for Parasite to win Best Screenplay, that's my only major contention. For it to win Best Picture and Best Foreign Film. Now, when it comes to the Best Foreign Film category, I've only seen like maybe two other uh, nominees. Like, foreign films also are very difficult for us to get here in Asia because we don't, kind of, we don't have the same distribution. In fact, a lot of the Best Picture nominees, like say for example, uh, there was a film Bombshell. Mm -hmm. okay, okay, that's still not out in Singapore. No, you know, till it, now? It's just only recently, as of time of this recording, as when we were talking about the Oscars. 
And like for and that's us, why streaming is eating the studio's lunch. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Shout out to our Netflix is dead episode starring yeah. Dustin. Uh, but also like even movies like The Lighthouse only just popped up recently. That's right. So it's like for us, yeah. I mean, the reason why this episode also came out pretty late is because we wanted to give everybody you had your chance. We're gonna spoil the fuck out of this movie. Okay, you had months. Okay, so if you haven't seen Parasite, pause. Don't stop. Pause the podcast. Go watch it. Then press play again. Two plays always counts. So um, I don't know. Maybe let's have another discussion. What are your thoughts in terms of Bong Joon-ho's work? Like his pantheon of films? Because for me, as much as I enjoyed Parasite, it kind of also felt like him at his most, I would say, the word is not subtle, but I also don't want to say reserved. But like, he's the guy who gave us Snowpiercer. He's the guy who gave us Okja. And to me, he's one of the few Korean directors who like, seems to have no limits to his imagination or what he wants to show on screen. And for him to show like a semi-suspenseful melodrama, it's like, well, okay, where's all the you know special effects or where's all the the grandiose ideas? So like maybe I mean uh, I'll ask Dustin first. Like in terms of the pantheon of Bong Joon Ho, like where does pa- Parasite stand? The one that won so many Academy Awards. For Korean audiences, a lot of them feel that Memories of Murder is his best film. Okay. And I think that maybe that's one of those things where it's you know uh, as a local, there's a lot of depth there that support foreign, the home team also yeah that foreign audiences don't get but I think that for a lot of other people Snowpiercer or even some people prefer Okja Parasite is probably in his top 3 or 4 mm-hmm. and which one is the top 3 from there depends on your well, context and where you're from personal taste right yeah like if I were to say even doing the Tarantino uh, comparisons right to me Parasite feels like he's Jackie Brown Mm. You know what I mean? Where you want to watch like stuff like Snowpiercer or The Host or Okja, where it actually goes beyond the limits of like reality. There's like you know fantastical elements, and then here's something that's extremely grounded and just based on like you know his like uh, consistent themes of class, his themes of you know uh, economic structure and how society plays against each other, and like for him to remove what I would say is the the Bong Joon Ho isms, to me it felt like okay here's a guy who's flexing. Here's a guy who is like, okay, I'm not going to try and do something that is uh, bigger than imagination, okay? It's not about some, like, you know, a society of people living on a train, okay? It's not about this, uh, you know, secret, uh, I would say, uh, dismantling of society because of a giant monster. No, no, no. Okay, this is just a family. And this is him probably, I think, also kind of nailing his style. But this is like one of the many themes he will constantly bring up. For it to win Best Picture again, like I don't want to harp on this too many times, uh, it feels like he could have done bigger things, but he wanted to just show off like, okay, I'm just going to make a straight up film. I'm just going to, nothing, no special effects, okay, no monsters, no like, you know, grandiose sci-fi ideas. I'm just going to make a straight up film, which is why I do the comparison to Jackie Brown. It's like him like, okay, let me just tell you a story and tell you a story exceptionally well. So, I mean, also, like, when we talk about best picture, like, discussions, it's like, okay, la, this is a guy who straight up made a fucking solid movie, you know? But maybe it's also similar to what Sosezi did this year, right? Which is, like, he's mm. not going out of comfort zone at all, but he's yep. going absolute best ex- execution, I'm bringing back the all-stars. Yeah. So yeah. maybe it's kind of a similar thing for Bong Joon-ho, where he's like, I've done all these fantastical elements, but if this is the film I'm going to take to Hollywood, and I'm going to go and dominate everything, there may be things that would get audiences to switch off, so I'm going ultimate broadest base possible, mm, yeah. and, and, and you know, just to make sure that everyone gets in the cinema, gets their ass in a seat, and then I'm going to get the execution as, you know, 
pinpoint as I can. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually one interesting thing because earlier, Dustin, you were bringing up about the characters didn't give you enough depth of character development within the the story. But at the same time, right, I can sense also for me at least one of my frustrations about this point is that because I know the characters have a lot more to say. You see, if if the characters stopped there, and simply because uh, there's nothing else to say about them, and you stop there, I can understand it. The thing is. He actually grounded the characters incredibly well. I felt that it was a tease, and there's so much more. So that's actually one of the the parts that kind of like made me feel again disjointed because initially I was so on board with the characters because it's too so grounded, grounded, maybe. Yeah, it's so real. I was like, I probably know a guy like this. I know a girl like that. You know, something along those lines. Or I've heard or read in the papers of someone who kind of behaved this way, and I see where they're coming from, and this person is personified here. You know, so that's that realism, and you must admit he did a very good job there. But then, it suddenly moves away from that character development and into other things, and then you're like, wait, wait a minute! I felt like I was not finished with the main course, and you brought out the dessert. No, I understand what you mean. I think that there are certain we're we're so used to films, especially all the films in best uh, the best picture category, right? Where For example, 1917. For example, Once Upon a Time. Every little thing that's brought up, not accidents. They they come to fruition later. There's a payoff later. I think with Parasite, what happens is that the way characters are drawn is slightly different, and sometimes he gives you a detail about a character, a romantic involvement, and things like that, or you know why he gets the job as a tutor in the first place. And you're thinking, oh, maybe there's a payoff later, but then there's no payoff, right? It's like an open loop that doesn't close. But they also want to kind of blame maybe the translation. Maybe there's some aspects that maybe didn't quite, you know, uh, we didn't pick up because we don't speak the Korean language. Well, I mean, it's possible, right? But but I guess we can only judge the film as it was presented. We we can't, you know, I I I feel like That's all we were able to get, and that's why I also I made sure I went to watch it a few more times because I knew I knew the first time watching it alone, it wasn't going to go all in. You know. So you didn't enjoy it the first time, or did you enjoy it more the first no, time? No, I did, but then I felt let down at the end. That was my feeling. So I said, you know what? Maybe as just as you said, you know, maybe I missed some details or something. And then I went back, and then I was like, you know, and and and. I I went I went to rewatch Once Upon a Time as well, you know, just to be fair, right? Still I, fun, right? <laughs> it's fantastic, you know. Does the time still feel long the second time? No, right? No, no, I didn't. Fe- it didn't feel long the first. Yeah. I, f- look, I felt that there was a reason for the time, right? Okay, the, the you know, I mean, Einstein said this, right? You spend a minute on the oven, it feels like an hour, but you spend a minute, you know, it, but if you kiss a girl for. For an hour, it feels like a minute only, you know. So, so I think depends on the girl too. Yeah, depends. On, <laughs> depends well, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let's hope she doesn't. You and know, the technique involved, sir. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's relative, right? So yeah, it's if, relative. If there's a story to to tell and you get immersed in it, I mean, you just can't get enough of it, you know. Yeah, I agree. But uh, the problem with runtime sometimes, and like you said, you know, Tarantino does get indulgent in Eight Bull Eight as well. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, it, it, the reason is we feel that way is simply well, where's this going, right? Sometimes, uh, because like for Tarantino, he also instead of uh, like say comparison to something like Parasite, he uh, Parasite basically sets up enough motivation and enough of uh, a MacGuffin or maybe even like the like uh, or the the action of each individual character, so that when they do come to the resolution, is like okay, it all makes sense because everything's been set up. Whereas Tarantino, like he's the like the king of evasive dialogue, like. 
say the best example of all time, right? Just to portray the friendship between, say, uh, like you know, Travolta's character and Samuel Jackson. Like, what do they do in that fucking car? They just talk about burgers. Yeah. And it's like you. That has nothing to do with the story, but through that you get the sense of their relationship and how, like you know, they react to each other. Well, I felt the foot massage was a better proxy foot, conversation. Foot massage explains Marcellus. Yeah, because then you know, like how how yeah. evil is this guy? Yeah, but the two of them were disputing about whether foot massage was okay or not. Yeah, true that. So then you understand <laughs> that there is a dynamic between the two of them. Okay? Yeah. they're not always in like you know co- cohesion all the times. Yeah. And like even my one of my favorite lines of all time is like you know okay enough talk let's get the character and then there's a, that extra layer. So like the thing about Tarantino is like he is not efficient, he's not economical, but he is definitely precise when it comes to inflicting enough information to his audience to uh, put, not only portray the characters but build the universe. So something like Parasite, like, and why I always constantly like to bring up maybe the Korean translation right, is basically there are times when I recognize the word or I recognize the sentence and the subtitles don't match. And for me, it's, like, okay, it's not totally a detriment because it could be localization, transliteration, what have you. But it kept the story going. So, like again, when I want to contest, like say for best screenplay, to me it felt like what they said is exactly what needed to be said. It wasn't so much in creating characters, a universe, or tapping into my imagination per se. But also in the, along the lines of like say what I loved about Parasite, and also about the setups and basically how it arrived at the end. Right, is what he did about grounding the characters was what made it really interesting for me right is that you feel it exactly at the middle of the film at the 45 minute mark exactly when she hit the fan and then also you had the metaphor of like you know the lightning is outside a storm is coming very shakespearean shit hits the fan very dickensian i would say ter- ter- uh, parasite to me is one of the most dickensian movies ever and uh how he sets up the first half it do it does kind of f- like feel like yeah it does feel like two movies kind of you know mashed into one the first half is like a heist movie yeah which was fun. Yeah, yeah. But I also understand where it's like, each personality, I mean, each part of the movie has a specific personality. So the first one where we're introduced to the, uh, I would say the lower class characters, right? Of course, it has a little bit more of a free form, a little bit more grounded, a little bit more things happen in a very happy-go-lucky way. You know, because that is, the, the personality of the first half of the film matches the characters. And then that's what makes you root for them because it's like, okay, these guys have a plan and nothing is more fun than seeing a plan in action and Absolutely. and something and pulling it off, but that doesn't make for a great movie. Let's just like point to all the oceans movies, okay? Yeah, yeah. Like once the, the most boring part about those movies is when they actually get away with it. That's right. You know, it's always about the setup, and what he does is like he does treat it like a heist movie. I totally agree with Dustin, right? But the fact is, right, it's not like he they pull it off. No, no, no. Here's the spanner in the works right now. Okay, everything fucks up, and then just seeing the mat scramble to make sure. Like, okay, how do we keep the rules alive or how do we prevent this from getting blown out of proportion? And I kind of agree with you that it does border on farcical or it becomes a little bit too uh, slapstick at some points. But I think that's what's necessary and I also would say that it's part of the director's over because that's his style. Because it's like if you were to watch his other films, right, his ability to inject the nonsensical but also at the same time to make you really check your suspension of disbelief and that's a very fine line for him to dance because there'll be like uh, audience members like you who'll be like, I checked out. Okay, th- th- things are getting a bit too <laughs> out of hand. Yeah. And then there'll be guys like me who'll be like, okay, he's going with this. How does he escalate this? Because then I get even more engaged because like for the way I view things like uh, Parasite is like basically, all right, I like where this is going. And I like the fact that things get progressively worse. 
Okay, I don't want to spoil too much. Okay, I think I already kind of mini-spoiled it by telling people where shit hits the fan. But okay, maybe Dustin, what about you? What do you think about the pacing? It, because it did get nominated for Best Editing and... I'm surprised Irishman didn't win because I'm trying to imagine like <laughs> the first cut was probably like six hours and how they cut it down to three. The first half of the film is exquisitely paced because it's a heist film mm -hmm. and you know exactly what needs to move, what needs to progress. Where the pace starts getting more disjointed is the twist. And everyone knows this twist, so this is not a spoiler. Yep. But at, at the point that the twist happens, you start to see the downward spiral. And there is the conceit of it happening exactly at the 50% point of the film. But I think that the detriment is you only have 50% left of the film to tell the rest of the story. And whether that's enough, because now it becomes disjointed, now it becomes dystopian, you're introducing a lot of other factors in that add the conflict. Because until that point of the twist, it's been smooth sailing all the way. And a lot of films don't have that much smooth sailing, they have a lot more conflict. So I think that it's compressed a lot of conflict into a short duration of the film, the second half, which makes it feel from a pace perspective like everything's going breakneck and it's introducing so many different elements that it can start feeling very uh, rushed in a certain sense. I mean, would you comp say something like that was a bit too jarring or maybe... I think I think it's intended to be jarring. I agree, yeah. But it's kind of like Irreversible, right? Mm -hmm. Irreversible is meant to be jarring. It's meant to be uncomfortable viewing. Mm -hmm. And you need to get a certain level of discomfort to understand where he's going. Whereas I feel with Parasite, the discomfort kind of gets a bit schizophrenic because whenever you go underground, you're discomforted. And overground, they're trying to hide stuff and everything. So it's different levels of discomfort which ratchet up and down but for some people that's too jarring I agree I mean because like for me that was perfect juxtaposition and it wasn't in a way where it was broad strokes where like okay, extreme left extreme right because there was enough of a grey area in between and especially like the visual metaphor for me was whenever they would pan to the door with the staircase I'm not trying to spoil this movie but there's a specific door that they always look at and then that's the constant reminder that there is something bubbling underneath in the surface so like for me, I caught it kind of differently where it felt like they really wanted to have like a very bipolar view of this world where, you know, there's this family and they live such a charmed life that, you know, they could never comprehend, let alone be compassionate about this other family. And then at the same time, when you see this other family, I felt like, yeah, we are trying to paint them to be heroes, but they're actually scumbags too, you know? So in a sense, it's like you always have to have that necessary need of like, there's no true like hero or villain. There's no protagonist antagonist uh, setup here. It's basically like different people interacting within that the situation when shit hits the fan. And I do understand why it's jarring for some people. Same as how it's cut right down the middle. That would probably be the metaphor for a lot of this film, where it's like it's two perfect halves. It's not multifaceted. It's definitely... It's bipolar. It's bipolar. It's binary. It's one and zero with a bit of grey area for us to kind of like check ourselves and say like, okay, who should we feel for? Or who is it that we're rooting for? Or like whoever you're rooting for earlier is like, okay, now I'm starting to think that is it like basically like what Breaking Bad pulled off where by the end of the whole thing is like, oh my God, I've been rooting for the bad guy the whole time. 
and you just present enough information for you to be empathetic towards their motivation, not so much towards their intention. Yeah, but don't you feel that in the second half, right, as the as elements were introduced and complexity was introduced, instead of creating more options, it started to remove them? Don't you realize that the plot would end up in only one place, right? I mean, it, it you see, normally my understanding is like when 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 you know a spanner goes into the works, it's supposed to take something off its intended destination mm. and then give you well there is option B and 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 option C. Yeah kind of open your mind to it but in Parasite my feel was as it went on and more things happened and more motivations came in and the struggles started to manifest Mm -hmm. I felt I was converging I was going to a convergence point rather than divergence do you feel like you wanted it to wrap up or you wanted it to no I felt like there was only one way I could go I think that that's part of the intention I think the intention is to show that for the poor when things go Tits up. Then that's the only way it ends. There's, on, there's only one way it ends, right? The poor suffer. I, I think that's part of the point that. Yeah, but that's it's a horribly depressing view. But that's the that's the the view that he really wants to portray because like he needed something to also counter when it comes to the rich people and like just that ability for them like when something bad happens to them is like, all right, we'll just hire a new person. <laughs> I would say that Parasite is the the film that has most accurately depicted almost literally shit flows downhill bingo, bingo visually thematically and in the performances and it, the thing is it does it so well that it's not on the nose you have to find it it's not something where it's like look at these poor people or like no, look no. at how arrogant the upper class is they never do they that they never go that far which is what I would say is the genius in the performances it is it is yeah. it's, the, the, the actors did a fantastic job yes. you know, they knew when to stop it's showing how the conceit of the rich also uh, exacerbates their problem because each time they fire someone they could have done it explicitly and that would have revealed the rules but because they try to maintain their pride because they try to do it in a discreet way they try to do it in a manner that doesn't ruffle feathers or, or address problems directly. The ruse is allowed to continue because it's obscured why they were fired. I agree there too, but I also have a feeling also like, I mean, and this is us speaking as Asians, right? It's basically you don't, when you meet these kind of people, the one thing, the one chip on their shoulder is they always try to pretend to be as humble as possible. Like, we, we're not assholes, okay? We go, so if you could figure this out for me and fire this person, that would be fine. Yeah. Because it's a, there's a lot of things, it's like, uh, especially with the characters in this particular film, right? There's always a sense of like, never get your hands dirty. Yeah. I have people is. to do that for me. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, right? Those who gets their hands dirty, you don't, re- you don't realize like, how dirty will they go? When you've wallowed through the shit, and when you taste paradise, why should I ever go back? You know, which is a, a scene that they, I would say they demonstrated almost perfectly. So basically, you know, one of the questions is going to be then, what is your ego and pride worth, right? Are you a results-driven person? Do you want the results? Or are you here just to show like you got some kind of whole it and thou process, right? Definitely and with I mean, one of the characters. Those, you know what I mean? Yeah, one of the characters that, has so, that, yeah. You know, I, I get where you're coming from on this. You know, one of the things that I was always thinking about, both sides, they, they kind of gossip and think about how they're better than the other side. You yes, know? there's that aspect. You, yeah. you know, there's that aspect, right? And we always think we're better than the other guy. This is a human, it's a very natural human thing. We always think our shit don't smell. Then 
you know, the question is, I, I was just wondering like, how far could they extend this premise? How far could they pull that, that, you know, you really are better than the other guy? So I think maybe we've done dancing around this for the longest time. So Last King fans, uh, uh, we're going to heavily recommend Parasite already. We've done it a few times on the show. If you haven't seen it, watch it. But this is going to be the full-on, super-analyzed, spoiler-rich review starting right now. So we're going to go straight into the story. And Mr. Ruben here has some problems. Well, the movie was fantastic. I give it 10 out of 10 to the 45-minute mark, like you said, right? Oh, really? It was it a was perfect good. movie. No, no, per- till... no, really, it was. Listen, no special effect, great story, fantastic dialogue. Very good, good pacing. Right, very good bits, you know, the little little things, you know, like the pizza folding scene, uh, you know, the how, how, how they try and... The uh, universe building. Yeah. yeah, the universe building, all that stuff. You know, like there was even a little shot, like right at the beginning where they show the mothers like throwing a shot part just to show what a strong, physically strong person she is. Yep. And then, so all these things I appreciate because they don't just say like, well, this mother's strong. They show, they show something she did and shot parting is no joke. So it's like all this stuff is great and then suddenly, you know, this lady, the housekeeper shows up, the ex-housekeeper shows up Who they in the rain, of course, in the rain. Because we need dramatics, man. And they know her. They got rid of her, right? And then she's cackling like a crazy-ass witch mm-hmm. and they let her in the house. So I, I can probably explain that. When you said that people don't want to feel like assholes, they all want to feel that like they're better than people or maybe they just want to kind of trust that deep down I'm a good person. They had to let her in because it was the mother facing the other woman and I would say this is probably the the brilliant moment where it's like you have to have this character and this character face off. Any other character, if it was the son, the daughter, it wouldn't make any sense, right? At all, right? Because it was the mother and it was her own guilt and her own uh, admission is like I am the reason she's out in the rain and she's probably lost her mind. I'm giving you this this, yeah. this one because so, I kind of owe you and it doesn't feel convenient correct exactly it would not have been the daughter at all because the daughter it's just a scheming little bitch just literally I loved her <laughs> yeah 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 no I think she I think that actually thinks that she should have been a nom- at least a nominee for best supporting oh yeah because what in a, a Korean girl the part when the husband's like oh I hope the driver got another job and she's like fuck the driver <laughs> yeah right and, yeah. and that builds it up but no one else in the family has an excuse to be in the house at that time so it has to be the mother. Which is why it has to be the, the person story was pretty much jigsawed together pretty nice there. Yeah, yeah. But then then they go to the basement part where the doorway. So we were talking about the doorway just now. That, that oh, yeah. Every time you see it, you, you know the, the people under of, the stairs. Yeah, it's kind of like, a, you know, the ring where you look in that bloody well and you know some shit's going to happen when you get to that part. So, yeah. So we're seeing that. And then, oh, no, a thought goes in my head. I just go, she eats for two, right? Oh fuck, don't tell me she's got someone down there. Come on, you can't be serious. No, they were sitting up the whole time. So and you then, called it. Oh my god, this Come on! The eats for two part was really very on the nose. Yeah. I I was like, okay, so first phase was like heist movie, right? Second half becomes horror movie. You know, basically, right? It starts yeah, you know, it you know, horror, horror stories, right? It'll start with there's a storm, a stranger comes to the door and you let them in and then some shit happens, right? So after that I start having difficulty connecting with the characters is it because you felt things became far-fetched or is it because uh... I think one of the things that was very far-fetched was that once the house the ex-housekeeper had proof of the family the fact that they were sitting there eating snacks and making fun of them making them hold stress positions like at that point send the fucking video because you have your chance back in the house then the movie ends 
Yeah, correct. <laughs> That's my point, right? But then the the movie has been so smooth and so well executed to that point. They that were the believable. Suspension... They were believable. I guess. Then it became, I cannot think of anyone who would behave that way. No, it, but I yeah. totally agree with you when it comes to the logic problems of this movie. But then again, you also pointed out it became a horror story, yeah. visually, thematically. Yeah. So what makes a good horror movie is stupid people doing stupid things. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. They they are doing very stupid things, right? But at the same time, it's like I felt that you know we we were going so well, we were following people that you know it, it felt almost like you know what you know what this is the same thing I hate about Cloud Atlas. It's the same guy being something else that pissed me off. Like why is Tom Hanks this guy and that guy and that? It just I understand where Ruben's coming from because when you when you do the heist movie, everyone's brilliant, everyone's a great planner, everyone's yeah. got it all. Even the ex housekeeper finagling her way into that role for life was a very smart thing to do. Fantastic. And for her to finally get the proof that can get her back into the job. Mm-hmm. And then waste it by making them hold stress positions and gloating. That was a logic problem because the entire film in the first half has built up to be all of these are poor people. All these poor people are really smart at being parasites and determined and determined. I mean, no, and then suddenly, and then yeah. suddenly they shit the bit and do a lot, lot, of, lots of stupid things which are in line with the horror genre but not in line with the heist genre that started the film. Yeah, but this is a bipolar movie which we all agree with. It's supposed to be two personalities. So I mean, I also understand, but like for me, like the entire scene with the housekeeper, like ho- making them hold these positions, right? I mean, she does definitely needed her moment of vengeance because catharsis when, or something, right? Something like it's that. It's the Bond villain going, "Oh, Mr. Bond, I shall put you in this." You know? true that because the thing is, right? Um, the other option was basically, like she was speaking to these the the new housekeeper, which is the mother character, and like saying. Please relate to me. Please help me. You are also in my. And she world. said, "Sis, what sis? Right? Remember sister, the, what sister? What sister? Yeah." And yeah. this is basically something that's extremely Asian. Very. When you lose face, you wanna retaliate, and it totally makes sense. And it also kind of, in I would say, because she was out in the rain, or because we have no idea what she had to go through, right? And then also you have to understand she is extremely unhinged because there is the potential that her husband is starving to death yeah, she was basement. losing her mind yeah, I, I get that so it's like basically for her to do that was definitely yeah, there was an emotional impetus which I would say is uh, whether it felt far-fetched uh, maybe but I would say it was also necessary to add the it was motivated of, la. it was definitely motivated but I would say in terms of narrative and moving the story along and providing additional uh, dramatic tension right I mean it was fine it was perfect and also what I totally love was how she found out was basically because when the family decided to be you know busybody on the staircase and somebody just slipped and fell mm. and everything was really revealed because there's also a logic problem in like the kids breaking character and yeah. saying oh dad I hurt my leg you yeah, know like yeah, yeah. like you would look to yourself and think like oh I wouldn't have broken character well, you know what I can accept that I'll tell you why uh-huh. they were shit face drunk I never had a problem with that mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had no problem yeah. with that too. But also, again, in terms of like, you know, uh, plausibility, right? Having yeah. them fall down the staircase. Right. So convenient, yeah, but yeah. also at the same time, I enjoy it especially. And for me, what I catched and latched on about Parasite for that second half right, was basically the universe was indifferent. And I think that was maybe the one of the themes that nobody seems to be bringing up. But for me, it felt like everybody's talking about two classes going at each other. But it, at the end of the day, you don't represent anything in the grand scheme of things because shit happens to everybody. Yeah, there and ain't no team here. The, it's, it's not, it's like, it may be yeah. about you, it may be about him, right? But the thing is, right, 
things just happen that will screw you over non-withstanding. So for them to discover the person in the basement, for the father to realize like what the hell is going on, for like even for basically like you no, know, just that poor driver who was just trying to be cute and asking the girl where should I drop you off? And then it's like, that got him fired because like you know, the daughter was like kind of pissed off. He's like, how dare you? You know, drop me here. I'm meeting my boyfriend, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay. So there's one thing about Parasite that I would say in terms of them- them- uh, thematic uh, plot points, right? It's like, there's this beautiful indifference that is so omnipresent throughout the first part and throughout the second part. And I would say this, like when they do the setup and the heist, right? And it's like, there's this natural cognitive reaction to humans to see things just go their way and then there's also that jarring like oh shit I, I done fucked up now right and it's not your fault it's just that shit happens and how do you deal you know but, maybe... but you notice when shit started happening the scholar stone which they got that changed their fortunes <laughs> and a yeah, guy yeah, comes yeah. to piss we on we need the... a guffin, sir no, and, and the guy the guy that comes to piss on the window and he takes the scholar stone off wanting to throw it at the guy that's when things go fucked up. Yeah, because, you know, you don't have an avalanche without throwing that first snowball. You know what I mean? And I love the fact that that's what this thing does. It's For a lot of people, they always point to the fact that, like, okay, this is a movie of two halves. For me, right, what I saw was a constant ramping up and escalation. And, like, the, the entire first half to me felt like, okay, like, even the way they cut together how different people were getting the different jobs in, right? It was moving at a very exponential pace, whereas like it was very it was nice very, movie. Very the, the pacing, fast. the pacing nice. was was actually yeah. some of the best pacing I've seen for a long time Absolutely. for the first half. I I agree, and then it's like I also like the fact that the moment they rested and they were all like that that here's our day in paradise. Is this what it's like being rich? And in my head, it's like shit's gonna hit the fan right now. You better bring it. For me, I had a different kind of anticipation because I wanted to be jarred. I wanted to be like, okay, what's the hype? where did this movie go and then for me when I was watching how everything became just a fucking slippery, a slippery slope everybody's like dancing on ice trying to hide trying to reveal truths trying to hide truths and then the family comes and then like to me it was like genius levels of like I would say chainsaw juggling you know and it's like my balls was like you know like thoroughly <laughs> gripped I was like I have nothing this movie has nothing but my attention right now and then like like all good directors, right? After you have your pressure, you have your release. Then you have the garden party scene much That's later. Right. Yeah. So it's like, in terms of pacing, in terms of story and narrative, right? I kind of disagree with you that it is like, I would say it gets far-fetched. Whereas for me, like I wanted it to be as far-fetched as possible because... What's a twist if the twist is not twisty? Okay, hang on. But you see, here's, here's what is far-fetched to me. It's not that this happened, that it was far-fetched. Shit happens. Mm-hmm. What is far-fetched to me is that the characters don't react the way that a, that character who has been established should. Yep. Meaning, meaning, what I'm trying to say is that like when they discover this family, right? Where is the desperation? And when, when, when the, 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 the old housekeeper gets the upper hand, I don't see desperation. Look, if this is a film about every man for himself, you do whatever you need to survive, then what's all this dicking around? Where's the desperation? And then at the end, at the end, you don't actually get desperation. What you get is vengeance. You don't actually get desperation. So the thing for me is that, look, if you're a broke ass and you're starving and shit, and your your husband, this, let's just say just from an old housekeeper's point of view, your husband, the first thing is that you just want to get him out of there. Whatever way you can. 
You just want him out. I don't, don't think you want him out because maybe that's the way he survives. Maybe you want him to stay may- in there. You want things to go back the way, the way they were. May- maybe, maybe. And she tried. She tried to buy it, right? But come on. You know that ain't gonna happen. They ain't gonna go for that deal, right? So for me, the desperation was just a bit... I just felt that it, it the, the notes that were playing in the first half were a symphony and then you get a kid with a toy piano, you know? Nah, that's very unfair, sir. Yeah. I would say I wouldn't say a toy piano, but I would say it's definitely like Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, okay. It's really nice and it's very operatic <laughs> and it's very, you know, easy listening and then bombastic and it hits you right in the balls. For me, you're latching on too much about the, the decision of the characters. And I will not fault the script or the story for that because, again, for me, I will always uh, concede to the economy of the film runtime. And basically for him, like the way he planned it was, it has to be two perfect halves because there's a lot of symmetry used in the visual metaphors. That's here. right. No, I can see the symmetry. It's yeah. definitely intended. I yeah. guess he had to make compensations in order for the story to hit a certain beat. In that situation, it's like, okay, again, the horror movie uh, reference would be, why are you going back into the house? There's a killer there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I need to retrieve this thing. Yeah, like, get your MacGuffin in there. <laughs> yeah, you need... You need the drama to happen. So it's like, I would say, I mean, I'm not going to blame him. And in no way, I would say it detrimented the film because I think maybe the difference between two of us is like when you realize things like that, it breaks your immersion. Whereas for me, it's like watching a guy play a guitar solo. It's like, I like listening to the notes, but I also like to watch the fingers. Okay. I like to see the process and I like to see, okay, where are you going with this? And what was the intention? And did you pull it off? You know, you, you're saying that Bong Joon-ho ne- normally has some kind of fantastical element that he puts in. And I think in this film, the fantastical element is the twist. And if you're going to put it and make it fantastical, the more bombastic or the more unrealistic or the more twisty you make it, what's the point of a twist if it's not twisty? I get Because then you get talented Mr. Ripley. Right. 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 Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, alright, this is a by the numbers. Which, you know, again... Now that you bring it up, I did enjoy that a lot. I but it, but it didn't break the world immersion for you. That's no, why it did not. It, it yeah. did not. I was I was I hated that son of a bitch, but I was I could get it. I was with it. You know. Yeah. So I think the difference here is that he breaks world immersion intentionally, and I think that breaks the reality for you. Yeah, yeah. For for me, because I like to be immersed. But but you know, having said that, I mean, it still comes back to this, right? With all all these points, and again, it's uh, it's fantastic. Sorry, like I said, the first forty five minutes was absolutely crazy for me right the, the 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 question now is after all this right is it still the best film i would say you no. know <laughs> no i mean like as much as i am totally happy it won i would have been happy if three other films won so like i, like, I agree with dustin where it's like this year's oscars it's a great year it's a great year there was no shit films yeah i i agree with that there were no shit films it was a tough one a few snubs but few, no, yeah, no shit yeah, films yeah. uh but then again, Rise of Skywalker got nominated. Uh, <laughs> we have to point that out every once in a while. Okay. Story-wise, yeah, I mean, it's a mixed bag. And it, it totally depends because like all good movies, it's subjective and open to discussion. I thoroughly enjoyed the pacing, the characters and their motivations. And it totally made sense to me. Because like for me, when I watch films, right, it's like... It must, it's not necessarily about immersion anymore. More so about technique. More so about process and more so about like... Alright, this is what he's going with. The curse of the professional. Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. Like you watch a lot of movies, you start to realize things. If anything, 
I have no problems with the pacing, I have no problems with the story or the halves. I am enamored by the amount of detail that is so deliciously put in that you don't realize until like when you watch it the third time and then you realize, oh, when they squeeze like the, the, the sauce on the, the pizza and then how they squeeze the sauce on the tissue because she's got tuberculosis and like how far-fetched that is in this day and age and you manage to convince somebody she's got tuberculosis. <gasps> You know, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. love the mother's fucking reactions to everything. Like, oh yeah, oh like, oh, I am. This is a thing. I am so out of touch, but I can't show that I'm out of touch. Look, you you know that in high school she was the bimbo. Come on, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Fame. I mean, she she gives you that vibe, right? And and that's the trophy wife. That's the trophy wife, right? Yeah, so I, agree. I think it was incredibly well cast. The performance was fantastic. I didn't hate her. I didn't you hate know, her. Sometimes if you you get these ditzy bimbo kind of characters, you can end up hating them yeah I guess but the dad she wasn't a desperate housewife the poor dad yeah. oh shit that guy like I mean again I'm not very uh, immersed into all the Korean scene but that guy was fantastic you will love him in the it host blew <laughs> me away like, you should watch him in the host oh man the, the pizza folding pizza box folding scene I'm watching him and then the, the fumigation fumes are coming in and then instead of like closing the window, he tells them it's free fumigation. And and he doesn't do it fearfully. He doesn't do it like he's a cheapskate. He does it like he believes. He's a believer. This is the right thing to do. Yeah. And then he inhales. He just inhales and he goes, I'm going to fold these boxes while I'm breathing this shit. Like, you know, one of my mo- favorite moments with that character was basically when he took his family out to dinner and they had dinner at some... Uh, the driver cafeteria. The driver, the free, the free food. And then the daughter points it out, this is a driver cafeteria. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, eat more, son, you know, and yeah, all that. Eat more. You know, he's like, it, like, things don't flummox him. And you know what else I like about him was the way he has this optimism despite the desperate... Do you realize his... Like, like when his son says, the way I see it, this is not fraud. I'm just printing the certificate ahead of time. And he goes, you have a plan. You have a plan, you know? And then, like, when he says this little prayer, you know, he always has this prayer, this very warped prayer, like, we thank for the bountiful thing and all that. Do you know that in Mexico, the thieves actually will thank, like, Mary and so on for allowing them to steal and feed their family? I have not seen that season on Narcos films. Okay, I... Well, Narcos <laughs> Colombian, right? I don't know. Yeah, I but, only watched the first two no, seasons. No, there's, there's Narcos Mexico now. Oh, is, oh okay. You see, that's so how... We I, got all the cartels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there are... You know what I mean? There are people who, who express the gratitude for their ill-gotten gains. And so, it's a job. It's still a job. Yeah, so it's... It, you know, this is where, again, you know, we're talking about mass appeal, global appeal, right? Somewhere in the world, someone knows a guy like this who says, thank you, God, for letting me steal this piece of bread. I know a guy like that, personally. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... I know people like that is like you know if you don't need it you know, another man's uh, what trash another man's treasure that's right that's and then he like basically but it still belongs to him well now it's in my hands so it's trash yeah and and belief it's pure belief and then you know the daughter the scheming nature of the daughter my god and and she's not doing it to spite anyone no she really believes in a cold-hearted psychopathic kind of way like this is how it should be yeah, I agree I wouldn't, I wouldn't say psychopathic more sociopathic but you know it's very believable character so I love the first 45 the establishment dude anytime so... she talks to the mother and pretends to be an art therapist is like oh that's brilliant it's, it's gold it's like yeah. my, this is my process no one no no one in the room when I'm, I'm doing this and she's gloating and she does it. it to her own mother yeah 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 yeah. Ajuma get out of here yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah okay I mean let's maybe expound on the performances okay <laughs> poor dad fucking amazing uh, rich mom I liked her a lot yeah. Poor daughter, yes. Rich daughter, eh. 
I mean, but she didn't have much to do. That's actually, I feel, one of the weakest characters and I didn't understand the motivation behind the romantic involvement and Oh, it was kind of set up in the first scene because they said like she didn't have a boyfriend or something. So it's like maybe it wasn't probably established well. But These are the open loops I was referring to. Well, the only reason for her to exist is so that she could tell about the, the peach allergy. Without her, there's no peach allergy. Again, I, no strength in planning. I agree, but I feel that for her, that was where most of the open loops in the story came in, which is the friend that gives him the job, oh, because I want to date her when, when she when she graduates school, yeah. right? And then when the, the poor son, when the poor son then starts kissing her, takes her diary, and these are all the open loops. I'm like, okay, where's the payoff? No, no, no payoff no, no, on no any of this. Yeah. So I think those are the parts where everything is so efficient, but then these are like, then why did you, why did these points come up? And, and where did they lead to? I think because like such things are a bit more universal compared to whatever other suggestion we can come up with because it's like for the, the, the lovelorn daughter who's been cooped up in her gilded cage and like, oh, here's a man who enters the realm and it's like, he's he, I get my one-to-one and then I can see maybe she had a mini sexual awakening up or something. Mm. You know, there's something about, you know, like she's a horny little teenager. You know, sure. like, and here's a good looking guy, university yeah. age, looks like somebody from a boy band, you know, but I, I totally agree with Dustin also, where it's like, they have all these other moments, but it's like, why did he read the diary? So we can have that scene where the dog could catch him. That's right. You know, or why did she like basically, you know, fall in love with him so that she can trust him and then he gets information other than how else are we going to do it? Have him wiretap entire rooms. I mean, you, you know? look at the little son. The, like, I feel he's just this agent of chaos. He just... You know, just he, he, he to me, represents the universe. He's he is, right? He's the universe, yeah. right? He doesn't care. He just... He points out they all universe. smell like each other. Yeah. little, little He's a chaos guy, right? And... and At but, the core of everything. Yeah, there yeah. he is. But at the same time, I also understand why they couldn't have done without this daughter and this son. You know why? It needed to feel like a full family against another full family. Four to four, right? The the duality, right? You wanted the symmetry. Yes, and and, and, and each each poor family member gets a corresponding rich family member. It's also probably like a chess metaphor. You need an equal king, queen, pawn, bishop, rook. Like they need to face off each other. So it's like one son versus the other son. Not quite. I think they flipped it for them. It's like daughter son son daughter. That's right. You know, once the teacher, one both of them have teacher roles, so mm. they have these um, like roles of authority. Yeah. So it's like rich, the rich son and rich daughter would be like, okay, I need to listen to this person because they represent the authority that's entered my home, that has been anointed by my parents. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like again, like when it comes to the building of the characters and the scenes, like I loved it. It was yeah. near flawless. You know, the connections and all that, that that was great. You know, yeah. but you're right. There are a lot of open loops. But again, I don't think it could have been done any neater. I think that's that's as good as it gets because if you try and tie off every single loop, I, again, like I don't think the story can move, right? Yeah, they need to fit it within that framework also. And I think that's what I appreciated. They didn't take too long to get to where it needed to go. No, no, not too long at all. Yeah, I mean, as much as like the pacing for the first half for you was brilliant, for me, I love the pacing of the second half because, like again, when everybody was like slip sliding on all these possible things, and then you just keep throwing more ice on the floor, and then they're all like struggling to like, okay, we need to hide the body, or we need to put this here, or okay, we have to hide under the dinner table, and then all, uh, uh, sorry, the coffee table. While he gets, while he finger bangs his wife. While he finger bangs his wife as they're watching the kid over there, and then he's mentioning the smell, and then the father is trying not to like lose his temper as he's smelling himself. But you know, I think that was a great scene. I, I think it. that was a great scene. That didn't actually shake me out. 
that kind of brought me back because you know it's your house right it's your house why is the smell nothing. why are the smell of my yeah. man servants still you know around and and you know messing about with your wife by the way this is not some intern or whatever you brought back so you know what i mean it's like this is normal it's the setup that they are on the couch and then these guys are under the couch like roaches They're literally the, under the, the table with the with the garbage you know what i liked was when they shot it and then you can see the potato chips the broken glass they were swept under the table they were swept so it's the that is my favorite visual that, metaphor all that i love it you know i mean like that entire scene to me was the like to me that's the most genius scene because especially when the camera does the overhead shot where they pan over the table and you know in your mind's eye that they're underneath that table exactly. but they're, they're that invisible yeah but they're that and the thing is right it's like there's so many things at play because then it can be a commentary on how the upper class are just so unaware of things right underneath their noses that's right when they can even smell it but they choose to ignore it and i also like the fact that it's also how maybe the lower class will do whatever it takes and they will they will wallow in the filth and keep quiet because they don't want to be seen or they don't want to make, they don't want to upset the order they don't want to mess with status quo because un- being underneath the rich person's table is still better than being in the shit house that you have that's that flooded, flood, with, that's shit. flooded with shit right? literally and then also like even that moment when he's like finger banging the wife is like that is also to me the visual metaphor of like that is a man who is so comfortable in his own home yet he is so unaware of what is yeah. literally like he's it, before him So it's like that entire scene to me was like the centerpiece of the entire the movie. I mean, not so much the garden party massacre, which no. we might talk about. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. fun. It was kind yeah. of like you know over the top, but it's like to me like to, that was the moment in the in the film when I was watching it and I thought like okay, this is a genius movie. Like that that was the moment where like yep, ev- this is the centerpiece. Like that moment and the performances everybody did, and like. Uh, Also, the fact that they're like on the walkie-talkies and the sun is outside. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like you know, here is the, the the disparity between the safety of upper class and just the, you know, the 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 soul crushings like you know, need to wallow in the mire like lower no, class. No, little things. You're right. You're right. You know what? Like like for example, who the hell's gonna take their kid? It's in the middle of their freaking exclusive ass garden with high walls, right? Bingo. But they're still watching. But the that you in your district then Bukit Timah. House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know. You, <laughs> and they're looking at the at the little tent yeah. and then she goes like oh this tent should be good it's from the US you know little they drop these little things in there the, to me the universal build, the universe building is immaculate very the details good. are yeah. lovely I don't know I mean again I mean what do you think about the sun though the the, the craziest rich boy. sun yeah rich sun and then poor sun like both of them like I mean I agree with you poor uh, rich sun agent of chaos and then but poor sun is He is the first domino to topple everything. He is the one who took the job, you know. And I also like the fact that the movie hanged everything on him first, and then they started to establish like, oh, hey, he was the first parasite, and like every other parasite, you multiply. Yeah, I, I think it's the idea that you know, oh, I failed the English test so many times. Yeah, but that means you've taken it more times than everyone else, right? <laughs> so the idea that you know. <laughs> That by 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 failing lots of times, you're better than someone that succeeded once. You know they say you don't fuck down, you fuck up. <laughs> Sorry. So do you guys know that there's a Korean woman who, like, 70 years old or something, took the driving test like 700 times or something, and then got her license. And then I was just going like, they should never give you a license if you fail 10 times because you could have got lucky the one time. <laughs> Statistical and anomaly. You know right? what I'm trying to say, and then. So, but isn't it every is, test, sir? <laughs> yeah, but 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 this is again going back to the Korean mindset of um, determination, 
I would over-talent. say it's very Asian. It's a, you know what I mean? I think a lot of like Western audiences will not be privy to like the our Asian mentality of That's like, right. this is a special we part. suck it up. Yeah. <laughs> we, we keep going. It's like, we don't like the job. We don't just like, you know, throw a fit and quit. I'm done. Like sometimes like, all right, fuck my boss. I'm going to get my, I'm going to get paid. That's right. We, we, I mean, like, we'll try again. I think it's a very Asian thing. And um, this is something that again, it, they, they, they brought out these little nuggets, these little things that they infuse into the character. I felt that the 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 poor son was way stronger and more involved at the start, but then as it went on, he was no longer like in a driving seat. He was no longer having much agency. He was just things happen to him, and he just reacts to things happening to him. You know, I totally agree. Yeah. Where so it's it's interesting because. Again, so let's go back to horror movie and the universe doesn't care, it just does stuff. Let's say we accept that, we, we go with that, right? Then, he's a passenger, poor daughter becomes a passenger too. She's no longer driving agenda. She's not. Who ends up driving everything? It's poor daddy, poor mommy, right? If you really think about it, yep. the actual battle is between poor mommy, poor daddy versus poor housekeeper, I mean the ex-housekeeper and her husband, right? Yeah. And then they have a link because of the Taiwan cake shop and that was actually the, the connection between them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, which is also interesting because both the 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 husband of the ex-housekeeper and uh, the, 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 the poor dad, they both have very unusual ideas about gratitude. Why do you gratitude. That? You know what I mean? Like, like the, the 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 guy who was hiding in the basement, right? He's you know knocking respect. His, he's banging his head. And then uh, even even back. even when he's dying, he's like respect. Yeah, like he it's went all out face. and slashed people and so on, but he he not did not mean it towards the 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 family, right? The rich family. He felt gratitude. He genuinely did, despite living like a little parasite in the basement and so on. And then for the the poor father, right? He felt gratitude in a slightly different way. You know, like he's always grateful that we, that as long as the family is doing well, we have opportunities, you know, we, 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 we fleeced someone together or something, yeah. then we feel gratitude that we, it, it, I mean, I felt it's, it's, it was really well done because there's no moral absolute here. No, there's, there right, no, right, you know what I there's mean? There's no moral absolution at all. And there's that's no preachiness, right? Yep, it's, yeah. no, it's about, you know, what you, what you have to do. But yeah. I think the most interesting thing about like, the, the idea of Korean hierarchy as well from the the rich father right yeah was, was the idea of like he's very obsessed with crossing the line the old housekeeper is great she doesn't cross the line the the driver oh this driver crosses the line why do you cross the line why do you fuck in my seat why do you fuck in his own seat right so I think the idea of Korean hierarchy and this is one of the things Korean audiences like a lot about this film there were American born Koreans I watched it with my Korean parents and they were surprised oh you like this because as Koreans, we understand this hierarchy stuff. I'm surprised that you, my American-born Korean kid, uh, enjoy this film as well. Because the idea of hierarchy is so important that at one point, Korean Air had really bad safety records because the co-pilot could never correct the senior pilot. Oh dear. So I think the idea of hierarchy face, and being part uh, of the, the, yeah. the Korean psyche Asian face yeah, is something that, that stands out a lot. Yeah. So a Korean friend of mine um, who was raised in Australia, but his parents are like from old Korea. Okay, Kraki Seyo. And then, <laughs> you know, made their way to become successful, like crazy rich Asian successful. 
So it seems that um, th this whole thing about hierarchy and all that, right? It's really interesting because what he said is that a lot of them, right? The mindset is still hustle, hustle, hustle. You youngsters are not tough enough because he said you must not forget Korea that you see today, just 30 years ago was not this Korea. And just 50 years ago... North Korea was more... Was, was, as yeah. Singaporeans, the fact that people keep reminding us how everything was handed to us, yeah, right? and even for Generation yeah. X guys like us, he's like, yeah, stop telling us. Yeah. Well, imagine this. He, he reminded me, he said, just 50 years ago... Well, 40, 40, not 50. 40 years ago, Korea... Well, no, now it's 50, sorry. As Korea, of this recording. Yeah, Korea <laughs> was a third world nation, a war-torn nation and we forget that as outsiders because it's, it's not our country right yep we forget that so they survived think, the korean war so you think yeah. about like the, the the rich the rich dad right he his dad was probably poor very likely and it's and then, the time yeah and then the poor dad probably came from another line of so their their ancestors their, their fathers went through this crap together and watched Korea modernize together. Which is like one of the But their destinies couldn't be further. Which is apart. one of the points I brought up was like we're not this so different you and I. Yeah. Because it's like even within the different uh like you know faces of the mirror is like there are still certain things like hierarchy, there's certain things like respect, you know, you know like family uh, was it uh, family piety, you know that right? Filial piety. Filial piety, my bad. And then also like when you mentioned why did the, the the daughter and the son go on passenger mode, they're fucking millennials. Exactly. Once they right? got comfortable, they became complacent. Yeah. And then it's like they are. It's, it's, it makes but sense. But daddy and mommy are still in hustle mode. Cause always been. They always their life. right. Yeah. Right. No, cause he tells me his dad chews his ass out, even though they're successful. They don't need the money, but. You see, the you gotta work, kid. Is, you gotta work still. You Living gotta... through war, going through rationing changes your perspective oh, culturally because that's why most East Asian cultures still ask have you eaten as a greeting that's right because they went through famine or as a pickup line <laughs> as a brown person myself I've yeah. used that quite a bit yeah does it work <laughs> yeah awesome because Malay girls be hungry hunger 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 <laughs> sorry when it touches on class right and I think it's also essential for guys like us with the Asian perspective right I would feel like a lot of Western people will only latch on to the more economical social aspects of it. Whereas like rich dad, poor dad. Whereas for us it's like they're the same person. They just have different destinies. Because the universe is so indifferent, this is the hands they were dealt. Yeah. You know, and then for them to like convene at this point and then to see how they reacted to each other. It's like, yeah. I I it's like maybe for both of us, right? And especially when we hustle, like most of us run our own businesses and do our own stuff, right? We know people like that. Yeah, yeah. When you do. when you see rich dad, I know guys just like that. You know, I've met angel investors just like that. Yeah. And when you re meet uh, poor dad, it's like my best friend's dad is just like that. You know what I mean? You come to the house, you must say hello, uncle, or else he will not smile at you. you know that's what I mean? right. That's right. So it's like yeah, there's there's something deliciously Asian about it that I think for us we savor differently. And for people to complain like, oh, I I don't feel like reading subtitles. Fucking learn to read, okay? It's 2020. Yeah, I mean, I personally prefer the subtitles than the dubbed stuff. Oh god, no. I, I, you know, like, <laughs> As Asian men watching anime since the 70s. <laughs> no, Never watch dubbed unless it's Malay. Because <laughs> Doraemon in Malay is hilarious. Hilar no, I remember watching that. <laughs> you know, but seriously, like even, let's say between Cantonese and Mandarin, like Cantonese all so, the way. So I mean, I'm still reading English subs, right? No matter what. But if the film was shot 
in Cantonese. I want the Cantonese audio. I don't know what they're saying, but the performance. Look, Stephen Chow sounds weird in Mandarin. Okay. He does, right? It sounds crazy. It doesn't make sense. Okay, yeah. Chow Yun Fat shouldn't speak Mandarin. Okay, exactly. You know, Lamboy Hao Long Bai. Moya. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Shout outs to Netflix for having all those classic Hong Kong movies on. In Cantonese? In Cantonese! Dude, God of Gamblers, Good. Better Tomorrow. Good. Good. Yes! Netflix always prioritizes original audio first. Oh, that's great. Shout that's out great. to Netflix. Because I really hate it when they make, like, these guys speak like, you know, like, and now I will avenge my, you know... They do have the dubs, English but thing. the dubs are selectable because there are cultures that are dubbing first. And, okay. And there are cultures okay. where there, there is single actor for all the characters. Poland. Oh. It's Ooh. called, like, lectern. Wait, wait, but you get to choose, right? Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. forced. Correct. Right? You get to choose. Okay, so as long as you get to choose, I'm okay with it. Because that. culturally, some people prefer dubs. Yeah, sure. I'm sure the algorithm will figure out for you. It'll, it'll probably be the the preference of uh, your viewing habits. But enough about this. Imagine this movie dubbed. Imagine this movie Americanized, which they're gonna do. What are your thoughts? They're gonna do the series Americanized, and I think it's gonna go into off. the. It's gonna go into the backstory All of I can the say housekeeper. Is that if they're gonna dub this shit, let me just say who I want to play the poor dad. Okay, give me Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Imagine his voice, right? His his crisp. You know, voice going. I've been fold, folding pizza boxes. Exactly all my right. Life. He's going like, mm, leave the window open. Oh god, no, you know that kind of his voice. His final soliloquy, yeah, basically, yeah. If you have this message, uh, I'm still alive. Exactly. <laughs> Andy the friend, he was my friend. Crawled through a river of shit. And then the guy, the guy who's gonna play the guy who's in the dungeon, I mean the basement. Sure. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Respects. Respect. Right? You can see that de- you can hear the howls of desperation of respect. Wow! Well, sure, I mean, that would be a different kind of entertainment for me. <laughs> I wouldn't say it would be a detriment, nor would it be uh, added value. I enjoy the idea, but I do not seek it. I'm sorry. No, no. no because you, you ruined me already. Once you taught me about the choice, that's it. <laughs> No, that, now now it's in my head. No, now you watch it because now you want to see. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. this is what I think he'll do. What does he do? I didn't expect that. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, man. Uh, yeah, Nicholas Cage for the remake. Huh? Yeah, why not? He should be the crazy. No, he shouldn't play the crazy guy. No, he shouldn't. He should be rich dad. <laughs> I just he's just subtle and nuanced the whole time. Yeah. You know what I can't stand? The smell. <laughs> he'll probably wow, do. I would, he'll, I would he would watch, flare. You know? would, no, the, the scene I want to watch him do. Is the scene where it says, but you love her, right? And and you can see that, that that's actually the point where the rich dad goes, oh, you fucking crossed the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his reaction to, huh, do I love her? I guess you could say that. You could call it love, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could call it love. Yeah, like yeah. That, that particular scene, like of all the times that the poor dad crossed the line, that was the one that offended him the most. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But definitely, but also poor dad, I need to see what I can get away with. What are the limits of this? So again, uh, I think that's about it, guys, because uh, there was a lovely review of Parasite. Still, uh, I mean, despite all your problems and qualms with it, I mean, it's still probably one of the best films of the year. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, again, I watched it three times, so definitely... It didn't good... get less the more you watched it? Uh, like I said, when I watch it in parallel... Okay, see, again, uh, my, my concern is not that it's a bad film. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm critical, as critical as I normally am, but I, it's a great film. But I don't think it was better than 
Once Upon a Time. That, or that's 1970? 19, no, I think, I. you know what, that first half... I need to ask you guys specifically yeah. because now to me, 1917 was like, you know, watching a good guitar solo and like, yeah, yes. that's, that's, that's fine. It was... <laughs> It was immaculate. It was I was there, saw it live, and then do I want to watch it again? Yeah. Nah. Yeah, I, I, you know, because honestly, when I rewatched Once Upon a Time, yeah. I still, I knew the joke was coming. I knew Bruce Lee was going to get his ass handed to him. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. I didn't lose respect for Bruce Lee. I enjoyed the scene nonetheless. Yeah. All the characters in there, yeah. right? And and then you know, like they have guys who were actually from that era, like you know, Kurt Russell. I love that stuff. You know, that little touch. You know, but then like. Uh, when I then I, I watch you know go back to Parasite and then I'm like okay both you know they definitely deserve their podium personal should, preference yeah personal preference I'm going with Tarantino still okay yeah, I agree I'm still Tarantino should have won not sure for me I'm I'm still struggling with this because I watched a lot of them in the past few weeks so it's still too fresh but you need to have it like I can't a I bit, can't huh? say what's the top but I can say that it's between Joker Marriage Story and Parasite really not a fan of, oh yeah have you seen Once Upon a Time yeah. I did I mm, yeah man I think you got you got to have a bit of that Hollywood love I guess not necessarily to appreciate no. it right? he didn't like Inglourious Bastards the first time we saw it oh I, okay like I had the the wash your hands in the toilet discussion yeah. and I asked him what do you think and then uh, Dustin was like man. a bit much <laughs> a bit much yeah. no it, it was it was again suspend I, belief I, I think that, that was a suspend belief I think that Tarantino is someone you either love or you're not not necessarily hate but I think that there is a certain ambivalence sometimes depending on how you feel about the way he does structure yeah. and everything like that no I, I okay look I like Django but a lot of people didn't like it I love Django yeah to me it's the best black superhero movie since Blade <laughs> yeah right yes. but again not everyone likes it you know uh, Hateful Eight wasn't my cup sorry it wasn't my cup of tea. okay my least favorite Tarantino is still uh, Death Proof oh Death I, Proof I, I, was very one note for me yeah it's so it's so like just like it's that for right? the sake of it yeah but he learned his lesson because that was his first flop sure and he came back with Avengers because I think after Kill Bill he felt he could do no wrong but yeah. I also appreciate uh, Death Proof basically for teaching millennials the 80s aesthetic Yeah. Because it's like after that movie, like fucking Kung Fury, uh, 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 Turbo Kid, all these all movies that, that was trying up. to like uh, latch on to the aesthetics of 70s cinema. Like that became a look. And they're like, oh, hey, cool. Thanks. Like this to us was shitty back in the day, but nice of you. Like when they put fake hairs in the like the film and they like even yeah, do yeah, fake yeah. like, uh, like uh, what do you call film burns, right? Yeah. Like, all right, that's cool. Like we work so hard to avoid this. <laughs> yeah, but then again, that's again one of the things. Like for me, when it came to like uh, apps, let's talk about apps, right? So like Instagram, I think it's a stupid thing. Why would you, you know, you have a great camera. Why would you make the photo look like shit? But again, for some people, it's a, it's like impressionism, right? It's like, uh, you know, it's your ability to, I would say, put your stamp on it. Yeah, put your stamp on it, right? Like, but I mean, like if you talk to a guy like say Deacons. He would want it. He wants it clean. <laughs> you know, he wants it crystal clear, clean. You know what I mean. He said it a hundred times. He's right? he's Mr. Like no, no, I want you yeah. to be able to see. No, him. no, no lens flare, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah no lens flare, no lens flare, right? No. But then you get JJ in there. Goddamn. No, those lens flares were not real. Yeah, those, those were. It's a lens digital. flare. Pack. Yeah, a lens yeah, flare yeah no, but that's my point. He wants to add that shit. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but JJ is the kind of guy. I think he has not figured out his style yet. 
till now. I would say that because like JJ Abrams is he when it comes to storytelling and character build creation, he has a style. Yes. When it comes to a visual style or when it comes to a narrative style, he changes, right? No, I think because he he has got so much Spielberg worship that he is like he always feels he needs to top. And then Spielberg is like the kind of guy is like that's what he does naturally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Spielberg like, does it naturally and also Spielberg doesn't care about having his personal stamp on it. He does what's appropriate to for the, the story, for right? the story. Because look at the spectrum from Schindler's List to Jurassic Park. Yes. It's like he he is like Stanley Kubrick, whatever is uh, whatever the story mandates. Whereas like there isn't a genre that you feel okay, this is his genre. It's like no, I'll no, do every Spielberg. He I'll can do, do every anything. genre. And and I okay, will visually yeah. And that's also half with George Lucas. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, but like he can do like Jaws. Yeah. And he can also do like uh you know Munich. Yeah. He's like all right. This, he can't. He can do anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah, he's definitely god tier director. Whereas like Munich god tier cinematography. Janus Kaminsky. Kaminsky. Yeah. <laughs> your guy, eh? yeah. Your guy. <laughs> we should do an episode Kaminsky versus Deacons. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> It'll yeah. be so boring and nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna have to cut all this out. Yeah, yeah. We are running really long here. Last game fans, thank you for listening to a very special, in-depth, all-film, all-nerdy review of Parasite, a Korean film that came out a couple of months ago, which you should have seen by now, and it's won Oscars, most of them. So what's your excuse? Definitely one of the best films of the year. Uh, differing appearance, I mean, opinions from the three of us. And speaking of the three of us, where can we find you, fellas? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Kidon Zero, K I D O N Zero, Luminoir, L U M I N O I R, and of course, it's Shafiq at Last Game Podcast everywhere. Signing up.